Okay, I've got something to tell you. Okay. I have done a terrible job of being social lately. And I don't mean that I'm not being social. (laughs) What do you mean? I mean, when I'm social, I'm being terrible at being social. Tell me more. I I don't know if this is totally true. (laughs) It is, though. So... I feel like usually I do a decent job of asking people questions about how their life is going and sharing, you know, what's going on in my life and what I'm learning and experiencing. And I do a good job of talking with people and not being just like, oh, small talk, you know, work, school, the weather. You're usually pretty intentional and aware. And lately I will say something and be like, why? I'll be talking. And internally I'm like, why am I talking about this? Just (laughs) shut your mouth. Like, why is this what's coming out of your mouth right now? This isn't pertinent. This isn't important. This, And I can see it on the person's face when I'm talking to them that they're just like, yeah. And I just feel internally, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Okay. Here's my immediate response. Part of me wanted to console you and be like, no, you're a good communicator and don't be insecure about yourself. But you've seen it happen. And, and then, well, actually, no, I haven't okay, seen it happen, okay, if that okay. makes you feel any better. A little bit. But what I was thinking was, that's not who you are. Like, you're not, Thank you. you're not usually insecure. You're no. not self-critical. You're very confident in who you are. So if you're saying this, I know it's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> It is. You're very self-aware. It hasn't been super severe, but there's just been a handful of things lately, the past handful of times that we've been out or in a group setting or something that I've just thought to myself, hmm, maybe be slower to speak. (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm sure the other people in those conversations probably don't remember it. They probably didn't notice it anyway. Because these are the things that keep me up at night sometimes. Not all the time, but I just, it's one of those types of things, right? That you stay awake at night and you're like, hmm, remember that thing that I said in public at this exact situation? And I don't do that with other people's things. Like, oh, I remember this person said this thing to me and it was so strange and weird and I didn't understand why they brought it up. That's so true. But I do it with myself and I'm partially wanting to share it for a laugh and also wanting to share it because I want it to stop. Yes. And I feel like actually sharing it out loud and calling it out might help me. And that's a whole word right there. Kind of like when you have a song that's stuck in your head, you need to tell someone else and then sing it so that you can like bring it out, put it out in the light. And it's so much the same with our guilt and our shame or little simple things that we're like embarrassed about. Bring it to the light and it removes the power of it. So thank you for for showing that vulnerability to me and to the entire world. Um, (laughs) I'm so proud of you for that. And also, I don't think less of you. Thank you. We all have those snippets. Thank you. I feel better already. And I don't think that really had anything to do with what we're talking about today. Maybe a little bit, but let's go ahead and get to it. Okay. For the last number of years, a spiritual discipline that Kelsey and I have instilled in our marriage, me and her individually, but especially together, is praying scripture and claiming the power that comes from scripture. Scripture says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Yeah, it penetrates. The scripture is from Hebrews 4, verse 12, and it continues to say, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Yeah. And so I I don't really know where we picked it up when it started. Well, we've been doing it for the past couple of years, Uh but also to be clear before anybody starts thinking, oh my goodness, they're just the cutest or oh my goodness, we can't, I I want that for my relationship. Settle down. First of all, class, settle down. <laughs> because we've literally talked about saying scripture together, praying scripture ever since we started dating. 
They've been married for nine and a half years. Yeah. I always like that we always say the half, like nine and a half. It's like it's really a young a young child when they're like, oh, I'm nine and a half. <laughs> Don't forget the half, you know? Um, I just think it's sweet. But yeah, we've been married nine and a half years, and I guess around year seven, maybe, is when we really diligently started doing this individually and together. So today we want to share some of the scriptures that we quote together and talk about like how we've navigated certain situations and certain seasons of life with these scriptures that we have literally put on and claimed in the power of Jesus' name in prayer. Yeah, and also hopefully leave you with encouragement of ways you might can start implementing it into your daily life, marriage, relationships, all that good stuff. A couple of years ago, we studied... Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan in the desert, our whole thing in being Christians is to live like and act like and talk like and walk like Jesus. And so if we're going to resist the devil and have him flee from us, like scripture says, then I want to look at how Jesus resisted the devil and made him flee from him. And he didn't do it by trying really hard or just, you know, struggling to be self-controlled and righteous. He did it by quoting scripture. And so we learn from that and really implement it into our marriage. Okay, where in which can we do the same exact thing? One, to resist the enemy, but also to instill righteousness in what we have. Yeah. When I think about the Bible, like we read the scripture from Hebrews, it is the sword of the spirit. It is our offensive weapon. And if we don't know how to use that offensive weapon, we can hurt a lot of people, including ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so learning how to, you taking that story of Jesus also paying attention to how he wielded the sword. He's a master. And so I want to become a master in sword wielding as well in the spiritual sense and just real life. I think that would be very cool. <laughs> so I love that on your Christmas list this past year, you asked for throwing knives. Yeah. And weirdly, no one got them for you. I don't know what that says about the people who love you, but... <laughs> I'm going to get them for myself. Okay. I'm a budget, save up. I'm going to get me some throwing knives because I want to learn how to throw knives. I feel like I want to be ready. I don't know. For... Whatever. <laughs> Taking down dragons, fighting, I don't know. All the things. I love you. I love you too. So yeah, what were you saying? back to say about <laughs> the sword of the spirit, paying attention to, okay, Jesus used scripture because it's his sword, but he also used scripture perfectly because mm. the enemy knew scripture too in that situation, but he was pulling it out of context. He was using it to hurt. He was using it to distract or to try to trip up. Yes. And Jesus was using scripture in a way that it pierced to joint and marrow it you know it got the job done he defended himself well he defended us well by giving us a template of how to live it out anyways all that to say praying scripture can be so beneficial for relationship and we want to share it with you because it's been very beneficial for us so Let's get to it. We only have a handful so far. We're, we're trying to add along as we go. We're apprentices. We're apprentice. Apprentice sword wielders. Ooh. What is one of the ones that we say on a semi-regular basis that you really like? One of the scriptures we pray the most, and it might have been one of the first ones we started. I can't remember. Maybe so. But it's Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. We don't have this whole thing memorized, but and we have a large part of it. It's finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And this is the part we have memorized. 
And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Put on the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. That is such a powerful scripture. One of the ways it's helped us the most is by acknowledging that when we come across conflict or when we're about to walk into a hard conversation or or anything difficult that we're navigating or dealing with, it reminds us that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's against the enemy, like it's against the spiritual forces. And growing up in church our whole life, we know this, but I feel like this scripture really taught us to start seeing everything through that kind of lens, to see everything through a spiritual lens rather than just a physical lens. So before we speak anywhere, we'll pray this scripture over ourselves and over our hearts before, sometimes, not every day, but sometimes we'll we'll get up at the same time and we'll pray this together for whatever we have going on that day. Before we go into a difficult meeting, whatever it is, before we go on vacation, we're just going to put our armor on for whatever the day has for us. And sometimes it's been something where we'll be in the beginnings of an argument and yes. we will, one or both of us will be like, hang on, let's put our armor on. Or do you have your have you put your armor on yet this morning? I haven't. I need to. Those kinds of conversations have been very beneficial for us. And we think that it could help a lot of marriages and relationships too. Mm-hmm. It's also grounding to help us realize it's not just a difficult coworker and it's not just a simple family issue and it's not just church hurt and it's not just whatever you can think of that is in the physical realm. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Mm -hmm. And so it consistently reminds us whatever the negative is, it's so much bigger. Like it's of the spiritual realm and whatever the positive is, it's bigger. It's, Mm -hmm. It's in the spiritual realm. So like when we leave a really impactful worship service in the physical realm, it looks like a bunch of people singing and playing music and you can feel something kind of going on in your heart. And in the spiritual realm, who knows what was going on there? Yeah. And I think it's beneficial as we've prayed that scripture, we've learned so much more about it. We've learned belt of truth and like we've we've learned a lot more about what that even means. Fitting your feet with the gospel, the readiness to share it in a, in a peaceful way, helmet of salvation, like where's my head at? Like I'm, yeah. I'm kingdom minded. There's so many things just in that chunk of scripture. And we wouldn't have known any of that had we not started praying it. But praying that scripture over our marriage, over our bodies over our home has led to all of this extra equipping that we didn't even <laughs> we didn't even know we knew on the front end but now we know it in such a deeper way so yeah that's been a really powerful one what's another one that comes to your mind kelsey probably the other biggest one that i cling to the most is psalm 23 mm-hmm. one thing that's nice about this well okay first of all We're not saying that these have to be memorized, but it just stands to reason that if you say this often enough and you pray it often enough, you're, you're probably going to naturally memorize it. It's going to be written on your heart. So I say one of the ones I love the most is Psalm 23 is because it's one that a lot of people are at least already familiar with. And so starting it, praying it, bringing it into the marriage can be such a beneficial thing. That's so true. When we first started trying to memorize it, I remember you had it memorized because you're so smart and intelligent. And for the first (laughs) couple of weeks, I would have to read it from my phone or from my Bible. And then, like you say, with time, 
you can't not memorize it. It's just natural. Yeah. I remember the first time that we started saying it, we were sleeping in an environment that was very stressful to us. Mm-hmm. We were not being able to sleep well and we had been, you know, in bed already for how many hours? We've both been tossing and turning. Let's just spend some time talking and visiting and started talking about scripture. And isn't there some kind of scripture we could pray over this situation to help us actually rest? And we came to Psalm 23. And so we decided to start reading through it. I pulled it up. So that we could read it and say it together. And we said it over and over and over and over again. I know this kind of makes me think of those songs that people joke are like 7-Eleven songs where it's like seven words and you say it 11 times. And I, I, I agree, I don't love when all of my worship songs are just that, but there is something special about those is because the more that you say that, yes, there's, the repetition. there's some kind of, I don't know if it's like my heart getting to the proper posture to understand the word more fully I don't know if it's a thing of the repetition of it just brings more of the truth of it to the surface or like what we're talking about with memorization. There's just something about knowing that word. And so whenever we read it over and over, like reading it once is great, but we probably read it a dozen times that night and finally we were able to sleep. And when we slept, we slept super peacefully Mm -hmm. and woke up feeling very restful. You want to quote it? Sure. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's one that we will pray pretty often, especially in times where we can tell we want. I mean, the whole thing about that is the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, or some versions will say, I am not in need because in the love that I need, I have, I lack nothing in the love of the good shepherd. I have all that I need. And so in moments where we're like, Hey, we're not making enough money. We need to make more money or the car is, is broken and how are we (laughs) going to pay for it? And now we're stressed or we feel like the arrows of the enemy are just always around us. And so even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will find no evil because he's with me. And so we'll quote that to like kind of put ourselves at rest and at peace yeah, and at ease. Yeah, like in the proper position of God is bigger. He knows <laughs> I am not God, you know, or yeah. or kind of like what you were mentioning. What I heard was the word comparison. You didn't say that word. This world, it's so easy for people to compare what, what we have compared to our friends or people that are in the same age range as us or life stage or social media, seeing people doing house projects or baby stuff or there's just so many ways to know the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. I lack nothing. I shall not want. I've been praying for a spouse for however many months or years and I'm praying for a boyfriend or a girlfriend for however long and he's not, but the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And so in the love of the good shepherd, I have all that I need. And there is something, like you said earlier, about saying it over and over and over. Scripture says, I will meditate on your laws day and night. And what meditate means is to mutter. And so you just say that same thing over and over and over. And that's how we meditate on his laws day Mm -hmm. and night by consistently and frequently returning to them. I mean, we've said this whole scripture together lots of times, but there's many times that I will just go about my day saying in very, like very slowly, the Lord is 
my shepherd. Mm. Just that first line, not even the whole thing, just that first line, just repeating it over and over and over, especially, you know, if we've been arguing or if we're not having a good day or if we're in a low season or any kind of circumstance, just walking into it, walking around the house and praying the Lord is my shepherd and thinking about every single one of those words, thinking about what they mean all strung together. It's very impactful. It's also impactful when we're in that season of darkness where are things ever going to get better and you start to feel those depressive and those anxious thoughts come over you. It's so important to quote scriptures like this because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in those moments it feels like it's never going to end. But word choice is really important, especially word choice in the Bible. And it says, even though I walk through, not like wandering in Mm. like a maze of darkness and despair and desolation through, if he has led me to it, he will lead me through it. And we continue to say that to ourselves in those moments of dark and isolation and loneliness. He's on the throne. He's in control. This is not going to be forever. That's my other favorite part of that verse. The full phrase is, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. And that's so much more powerful when we've understood the very first sentence, which is the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Even though we go through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil for you're with me. And it's hard to feel that unafraidness. I will fear no evil. But then when we say it over and over and over in prayer to the Lord, eventually the Holy Spirit's going to take residence in our heart and we will fear no evil because we are meditating on that. Mm. I'm thinking of all the people that might be listening to this, the single person dating, engaged, married, the person who's struggling with something at work, the people who just had a miscarriage, the, you know, the friends who don't know how to get along or the person who's going through their favorite sports season. I just think of all of the, that's one reason I love the scripture so much, all of them really, but the scripture is so, applicable to no matter what season of life someone is, whether they're in plenty or in want, whether things are going well or things are really tough. This scripture, it just encompasses so much of life. I just got a new job. I just got fired from my job. Yeah. I just had a baby. I just had a miscarriage. I just got married. I just got divorced. I just got into college. I just got kicked out of college. Like wherever you are, there is so much power and peace in this. Mm Mm-hmm. a good one okay how about we share one more okay another one we like to quote which is much shorter than the other (laughs) two is colossians 3 verse 12 that Mm -hmm. says therefore Therefore, as god's God's chosen people people, holy and and dearly loved clothe clothe yourselves with with compassion compassion, kindness kindness, humility humility, gentleness and and patience." patience this one came about Uh, A number of years ago, whenever we were going through a difficult time in our marriage where sexual intimacy was difficult for us, and the Holy Spirit put this verse on my heart, it wasn't one that I had memorized, it was one that maybe we had read recently or something, and we came to it, and it really transformed many aspects of our marriage, Mm -hmm. but especially that one, to approach each other and our relationship with each other with compassion and kindness and humility what you want, not what I want, and what you need, not what I need, and gentleness and patience. Wow. I think this very well could be a foundational pillar verse for all married people, mm-hmm. that husbands and wives should treat each other with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Yes, it's one of those scriptures that really encompasses all all of the things that you might experience in marriage. Yeah. You mentioned intimacy. What if all married couples approached their 
bedroom relationship with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And that's what built up their sexual intimacy. What if, you know, people who are beginning to date when they're looking for someone that they're interested in before they go into that kind of headspace, they clothe themselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It very well likely could totally shift the perspective someone has on the dating relationship or on the person they're interested in or how to move forward in their relationship. And for the single person struggling in singleness, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You'll probably begin to see that singleness in a different way, in a different light, and see it a lot more how the Lord is looking at you. Mm. For the good friend or for the teammate or for the coworker, whether it's difficult, challenging, fun, exciting, whatever the dynamic is, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience to put on my spiritual clothing before I go interact with them. Yeah. The other day I was going to play a game of pickup basketball and I wanted to make sure I had the right posture to play ball the way that Jesus would have me represent him on a court. And so I was very intentional about praying this scripture over my heart before I got out of the truck and went inside. Yeah. And I actually played much worse than I normally do, <laughs> uh, which is ironic, but my heart posture was much better than mm -hmm. it has been previously. That's good. I think of parents of small children, you know, whether the mom works at home and by, I mean, stay at home, but that's work. Oh, that's work. <laughs> well, the mom that's works at job. home and is supporting the husband and he's working outside the home or vice versa. Or, you know, we've got, we've got coaches and, and their wives or husbands. We've got teachers and their spouses, we, the, all these different kinds of jobs that are very draining. All these jobs that are service jobs, all the, you know, nurses and all of the kinds of things, ministry workers, and imagine if those couples who are in those relationships are praying over their spouse, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Mm -hmm. Like if you're praying that over me and I'm praying it over you, we interact with each other different. It's good for me to pray it over myself. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But in a marriage, it's also very powerful to pray that over you, even if you don't know that I'm doing it. Mm -hmm. And it can totally shift how how couples navigate all of the kinds of different jobs and roles that's applicable to all of them. Yes, I love that. Praying the scripture over your loved ones because they may be in a difficult season. Okay, Lord, equip them with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience because I know they're going to need it for today. Or I know that yeah. I'm sure they need it with what they're walking through right yeah. now. Yeah, praying it over your teens, over your babies, over you know your significant other, over your own heart, over your friends. It's impactful to pray the word of God over the people that we care about. Okay, so if I'm hearing this for the first time, if I'm interested in this, this sounds really cool. To someone who's hearing it for the first time, what are some encouragements and some kind of grounding practices for someone <laughs> who wants to start this? Firstly, I have compassion for people who want this for themselves but may not know how to implement it because yeah. I think there's things that we've experienced in our own marriage like that that we've we've wanted to bring this up to each other we haven't known how because we don't want to start an argument we don't want to make the other person feel weird I'm not bringing this up to point a finger at you we just see that okay. like first yes. of all like it's very beautiful that this might be something you want for your own marriage for your own relationship for your own heart and so I think just spending some time acknowledging that and talking to God about that in and of itself, that that's a desire you have is a good place to start telling God, Hey, I want, I want to incorporate this more. Please make a way where it seems like there's no way. Yeah. Please help equip me to have this conversation. Please soften his heart. You know, I'm a girl, so I'm gonna say, please soften his heart so that when the opportunity comes up, we can navigate this kind of conversation together. That's good. What would you say? 
or add on. Something else I would say is just to give yourself permission to know that this is a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. We can quote a handful of verses and we've been <laughs> trying intentionally to do so for a couple of years. So so no, like it, it's it's a marathon. It's going to take time. Crops don't grow overnight. They mm. take watering, intentional sunlight, dirt, all the things. So this is not different. And also, I don't think praying scripture is exclusive to the few that we pray. Mm. All scripture is good to pray. And so find one within your context where you want to grow, where you want to be healthier, where you need aid from the Father. Find a scripture that goes along with that and just start praying it consistently yeah. without stopping. And, and then you'll see the fruit grow. And that's where knowing how to wield a sword can be beneficial because you might be taking a scripture out of context That's true. for your situation because it feels good, but learn actually learning the word and um, something that's been helpful for us in knowing how to wield the sword better is by knowing the character of God. I feel like I say that in a lot of our episodes, but it's true because if we know the character of God, we understand his word better. Hmm. And if we understand his word better, we understand the character of God better and therefore know how to wield the sword better. So yeah, I love that choose a verse and then run it through the lens of God and his character and, and not just base it off your feelings of your circumstances. Can I go Philippians 4.13? I can do all things. Yeah, that's a good example. Okay. So a good example of what Kelsey's saying, taking a verse out of context to make it fit me, myself, and I, and where I am at, is Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a very popular verse. It's many people's favorite verses. Yeah, oftentimes that verse is used in context of our success. I want to get the job, and I can do all things. Or I want to win the game, so I can do all things. Or I want to win the track meet, so I can do all things. And that verse actually isn't about our accomplishments or <laughs> our successes or our achievements. It's about the Lord. <laughs> it, yeah, it's definitely about the Lord. And if it's about us, it's about us finding contentment. Because Philippians 4 verse 12, the verse right before that, Paul writes this from prison. He's being imprisoned because he's preaching Jesus. Philippians 4.12 says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Mm -hmm. And so that verse is actually about being content no matter what the circumstances are. Because the Lord is my shepherd. Because he's enough. <laughs> and so if I am wanting this thing, whether it's the job or the relationship or to win the ball game or whatever, and I'm praying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me over and over and over to, to feel all this power and this confidence and this success, the Lord might be like, man, that's awesome that you're praying to me. I'm so glad we're having this conversation, but I don't think you know. I don't think that word means what you think it means. means. You know, yeah, a so little misguided. There. He may not answer that the way we're wanting him to answer it. That's very true. Yeah, I like that we have spent time discussing this because sometimes spiritual components, our faith, even within our own homes, can be so awkward and can be so uncomfortable and can feel so vulnerable. I just want to talk about that for a second to acknowledge it, to help anybody who's listening acknowledge it and to see how we can overcome it. Because I think that's a way the enemy twists stuff up. He, he curbs people from deeper faith within their own homes just because it feels weird to pray together. I'm so glad you brought that up. Can you unpack that a little farther? Like what you've seen, what you felt? <sighs> okay. We have worked in ministry. That's been a normal thing for us. And so 
by default, by the, by the name of the game, we have been in practice of studying the Bible in front of each other or praying or preparing for a lesson in front of each other. And even in that, we have gotten awkward. Like if you're practicing for a lesson and I walk in the room, you kind of get quiet and you're like, oh, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Just it's, having a moment here. It's, it's a vulnerable thing. And I... I don't love that. I don't really know why it's a thing. I haven't learned a whole lot about that yet, but I know it's there. And I can imagine if it's in a relationship like ours, where we're in the word all the time, together and individually, we're preparing, we're praying, you know, constantly. I have to imagine it's happening in the average household that, you know, they don't work in ministry or they're not constantly preparing for a lesson or they're not constantly praying over the house and over each other. It's got to be, it's got to be a thing. I just want to spend time acknowledging it. Yeah, I'm so glad you are. Like how many marriages feel awkward to pray together? They yeah. might pray alone, but they don't pray together. Or Which they might study together, but they don't study together. It's interesting that we can get physically vulnerable, you know, in a marriage being oh, yeah. or, or outside of marriage. We're okay with getting vulnerable and completely physically naked and having intercourse, but we don't feel comfortable praying together. Which is also interesting because if we aren't physically vulnerable with each other sexually, a lot of people will say, that's bad, that's unhealthy. And yet this other side of marriage that is just as important is being neglected by many marriages and no one's talking about it. Interesting. We're not connecting spiritually and being vulnerable in that way, but yet no one bats an eye. And that's not to bring guilt or shame into the conversation of people who aren't doing that. It's just to acknowledge that's an upside down way of looking at things. And I, I feel like Jesus would put so much more emphasis on spiritual intimacy yes. than other kinds of intimacy, because everything we do flows from the state of our heart. There is a lot of research out there about spiritual intimacy in marriages, and oftentimes the research shows that couples who pray together stay together. Yeah. Couples who pray together and read together and quote scripture together stay together. Yeah. And I have I just have compassion for people who don't feel like they are comfortable praying. I think one of the best ways is to start. <laughs> start praying, start talking to the Lord. The deeper your relationship with him goes, the more benefit it's going to bring to your marriage. It may not always look like benefit. It might not always feel like it because there's so much in marriage that doesn't feel good, but produces good fruit. That's good. So takeaways from this, if you want to grow your prayer life and, and like what we've been talking about, Talk to the Lord about it. Tell him you want to grow in these ways and then yeah. chase it down. Give yourself permission to know it's going to take some time. If you want to grow in this way with your spouse, understand that there is some vulnerability and some awkwardness that we're going to have to get past and grow through mm -hmm. and not just avoid because, eh, this is weird <laughs> or new. And we've been talking a lot from the perspective of marriage, but this is true whether you're single, dating, married, divorced. Yeah. I do think it's worth mentioning a word of caution to those who are single or dating because spiritual intimacy is a thing. I would be very careful about the things that you pray together when you're single and dating compared to marriage because until the covenant of marriage, there are just certain types of intimacy and struggle and companionship that are reserved for marriage. I don't think it's bad to pray together as someone who's single or dating but I think that it's something to be very careful about because sometimes spiritual intimacy can confuse other kinds of intimacy and lead us down a path that doesn't go to the Lord. That's good. So that's just a word of caution just to be, to be mindful of. A strong example of that would be praying sexual scriptures from Song of Solomon over your marriage. Like, that's good to bless your marriage. 
I don't know if I would have wanted to pray those scriptures together whenever we were dating or engaged. <laughs> yeah, that's a way to stoke the fire. <laughs> yeah. Don't know if and I'd then go you there. just get burned. So, yeah. However, when we were dating, I would have wanted, you know, looking back, if I could go back and do anything a little more healthier, I would want to pray more scripture like clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, yeah. and patience. Because that's going to be good for a dating relationship to be considerate and gentle with one another. I'm going to be praying scriptures over my girlfriend that will help her pursue the Lord and help me pursue the Lord above all else. Like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness mm -hmm. and let all these things be added unto you. That's a great one to pray. Those foundational scriptures that can remind your significant other of truth whenever y'all come up across things, whether it's in your relationship or outside of it, that can help you fight the battles that are in front of you. I like that you brought up some positivity of it because I don't mean to just sound negative. I think there's a lot of wisdom in discerning what kinds of prayers are okay to pray before you're married. And I think that you did a good job of covering those. Thank you. Mm -hmm. As ever, we hope this has been an encouraging episode of our podcast for you. We could see ourselves doing another episode like this in the future because there's so many scriptures that we can pray over each other. But mostly we hope that we've given you a handful that you can maybe try to start implementing or at least encourage you to go and read and find your own that might be really beneficial for your spirit and your soul and your heart and, and that of your significant others. We love sharing this kind of stuff and we hope that it's been helpful for you. What if, to end, we pray a scripture over whoever ends up listening to this? Oh, I love that. The scripture we want to pray over you is Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Mm. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. We pray this over you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Thank y'all so much for spending your time here, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.